بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين وصلاة والسلام على شرف الأنبياء والمرسلين محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وآله وسلم تسليما كثيرا كثيرا فما بعد my brothers and sisters <coughs> we are starting inshallah uh, on the 25th I think 25th or 26th of this month the uh, maktab and also the hips program in this masjid hips of the Quran we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to accept it and make it a means of khair and barakah for us inshallah I want to remind myself and you the very very important adab with respect to the Quran of, of uh, the kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when we learn the kitab of Allah then we focus on the reading we focus on the tajweed which is the rules of pronunciation uh, if you go beyond that then you focus on the different riwayats of recitation different ways of recitation and uh, Usually this is where it is. Uh, those of us who, for whom, of course, I think almost very few people for whom, uh, not just Arabic, but classical Arabic is a, uh, you know, is their, is their language. It is not. Even for the Arabs, it is not. But, uh, so, not many understand it exactly as it is by reading it. So, we read translations and so on. So, we go, we focus on that. My question to myself and you is, how many of us focus on what the kalam of Allah is? Right? Think about it. What is it? We are saying kalam of Allah. Kalam of Allah means what? Speech of Allah, right? Speech of Allah. This is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke. The Quran al-Kareem was the spoken word. The kitab is later, when the spoken word was recorded. But what came? The spoken word. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke in a way that suits His Majesty and Grace to Jibreel alayhi salam. And Jibreel alayhi salam spoke to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam. And then Rasulullah sallallahu spoke, he memorized the same thing, he spoke that to his companions, to the Sahaba. And they memorized it and they spoke it to others. After that third stage, it started getting recorded. So the Sahaba also recorded it, but spoken word. In the Salah, you speak it. We don't read it from a book, at least not in the first Salah. So, when we say kalam of Allah, the speech of Allah, and that's the reason why that is the reason why the the Quran al-Karim is also not a created thing. It's not a, it's not a creature. It's not makhluk. This is the quality of Allah. This is the attribute of Allah. This is the sifat of Allah. Speech is a sifat, like samayat, basarat, kalam, sight, hearing, speech. All these are sifat. So. 
when you start reading the quran when you are listening to the quran when you are you know you hold the musaf in your hand it is very important to ask yourself what is it that i have here i mean okay speech of allah what is it? So, so therefore who is allah man who allah who is allah now we know the answers we know all the answers to all this right you say man who is allah you will say, Wallahu al-Khaliq al-Bari al-Musabir al-Lahu al-Asma'a al-Husna. You will say, Huwa al-Malik al-Mulk al-Jalali wal-Ikram. Huwa alimu al-Ghaib wal-Shahada. Huwa al-Rahman al-Rahim. Right? All of this we will say. But each of these words, each of these names of Allah which are the attributes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we must think about it and reflect on it. مهم لنا أن نركز علينا ما في فقط you know listing this الخالق المالك what is the meaning of الخالق المالك he is the creator he is the owner is that the meaning or is that the translation of خالق المالك which one translation it's not the meaning what is the meaning the meaning is what does it tell me in my heart? If I say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala huwal malik of what? Mine. So if Allah is my malik malik al-mulk but ana fil mulk no? You are not outside the mulk you are in the mulk. The milkiyat of Allah So what does it mean? If I have an owner and my owner is the creator of the heavens and the earth and all that I know and all that I don't know, what must that do to my heart? Does it do anything? Or is the word owner a word? Bil Arabi, Al-Malik, Bil Ingliziya, owner. That is the reason why we read the, the Quran, we know all these words, but the state of the heart is the same. Full of tension and fear and anxiety and worry. And what will happen? This will happen. That There's no effect on the heart because we don't reflect, we don't think. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke. What did he speak? Whatever he spoke came in the period of 23 years to Rasulullah Some of these things came as a response to things which were happening at that time. There were some issues. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent some laws with regard to those issues. Other things came as narratives and so on and so forth. The stories of the of the past, right? And so on. So all of this. So what is, uh, how must we approach that? The way we approach this is to say, number one, that this is the kalam of Allah, number one. Number two, and therefore every single word of it, every single phrase of it, every single sentence of it, sentence is the ayah. 
is true. It is completely and totally true. There is no doubt in it. Because Allah said, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ There is no doubt. Whatever I understand of this, Alhamdulillah, what I don't understand also I believe because this is the Kalam of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It is possible some things I don't understand. That does, that does not mean that what I don't understand is not true, no. Everything is true. Some I understand, some I don't understand. Because my aql is only that much. Is true. Then, whose kalam is it? Allah. What is the extent of the knowledge of Allah? Is it, is, is it uh, does it have boundaries? Is it, is it restricted to this much and that much? No. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is perfect. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's knowledge is, has no boundaries. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there is no past and present and future. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He knows everything. So therefore, whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us to do in the Quran al-Kareem was good. At the time, it was mentioned. And it remains good until the end of time. So therefore, if ayat came with respect to something, then those ayat and whatever the hukum of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is with respect to that thing, remains that way until the end of time. To give you a couple of examples, like I did this afternoon in the, in the Juma, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat prohibiting all forms of intoxication, all forms of gambling. So at that time, what were people drinking? They were drinking wine made of, made from dates and made from grapes. I think probably barley or something. So now you say, no, no, but I've got something else. I've got fentanyl or I've got LC, uh, LSD or I've got heroin, right? I've got opium. There were no poppies in those in, in, the, in Arabia. That doesn't apply because this is a different thing. Is it true? No. Intoxicants of every kind. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the ayat prohibiting all forms of interest-based dealings. No matter what it is. Whether that borrowing was done one-to-one, person-to-person, or whether the borrowing was done from an organization. And again, the problem is people don't read history. People think that banks as organizations, they think that this is a modern, modern phenomenon. It is not. Banks existed as organizations all the way back to the Roman Empire 2000 years ago. You didn't have Citibank, but you had banks. You had banks. They were big banks. The Roman Empire was a very wealthy empire. And they had big banks. Because one of the things that the Roman soldiers and especially the senators and so on who were humongously wealthy. I mean, you cannot imagine how wealthy they were. What they would do was their money they would deposit with these people, with the bankers. The bankers would roll the money and they would give them, they would pay them interest. 
so the soldier would be fighting on the on the in the you know battlefield somewhere uh, destroying somebody else's life and whatever booty they collected whatever they they got from there they would deposit it back in rome with the bankers and they earn interest on it so banks were there letters of credit were there the arabs used used it all the all of these people from in from makkah they used letters of credit because they were trading between the roman empire and the persian empire you had the outpost the last outpost of the roman empire was uh, in what what way what we call syria which is uh, syria which is uh, you know uh, uh, the sham and then the last outpost of uh, the persian empire was in uh, yemen so this area in between was like no man's land and the arabs were sitting in the middle of that and they were trading between these two so now think about this that these were people in those days how did you move caravans so you're traveling on the road by by land either walking or riding some animal and you are buying and selling products and some of those caravans they were they were caravans that's why i say read history i mean there's, there's no way you can understand unless you there were caravans some of them had over a thousand camels they these people are big business people they, they don't imagine that this was some some man you know bartering for uh, selling putting dates there and getting some these were big business people they were billionaires in today's in today's terms they were billionaires so they had this caravan now if you are going to syria and you are going to buy a lot of stuff and you need money right what was the money money was gold and silver so i do think they were carrying in like you know 10 tons of gold all the way to syria to buy the stuff and bring it back no way first of all it's it's very difficult to carry it's heavy stuff it's very difficult to carry secondly there are ba- there, there are bandits you carry that kind of gold you are a dead man i mean there's no way that they will leave you alone so they used letters of credit you had a letter of credit here you give you go give it to the to the person there he gives the goods you pay it so all these lcs and so on is nothing new lcs have existed for 2000 years so if today somebody says no 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 we see interest was interest was uh, on these things and today in today's world uh, the interesting no 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 go read history so what uh, whatever allah subhanahu wa taala prohibited or permitted is not restricted to time and space in geography the same thing applies across time if allah subhanahu wa taala's orders had been restricted to time and space allah subhanahu wa taala would not have stopped the nubuwwat please understand this this happened before because there were certain orders of allah subhanahu wa taala which allah subhanahu wa taala himself changed in some cases people changed and therefore new orders had to come and that's why allah subhanahu wa taala kept nabi after nabi after nabi until rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam after whom there is no nabi if that was not the case ambiya would still have come and you nabi would have said okay this is this was the rule now is the new rule no now what is over khalas So obviously, whatever he brought, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, applies till the end of time. So therefore, 
let us understand the import, the value of what we have. We have the actual speech of our Creator, Rabbil Alameen. And He chose this for us. He was interested enough to choose this for us. So we take it, we thank Him for this, and we value it. And how do you value it? By living our lives according to that. More inshallah tomorrow. وصلى الله على نبي الكريم وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين برحمتك يا رب الله